The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. How do you practice love and kindness? In Episode 9, join us in the arena as we discuss the act of self-compassion. Hey listeners, welcome to In the Arena. I'm Jackie Goldberg. And I'm Leah Smart. And today we're going to be talking about self-compassion, which is such an interesting and I think like near and dear topic to us. A little more recent for me. So, you know, when we started discussing this. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think it just requires a lot of like pulling apart and understanding. And so when we started discussing this, we decided to just dive right in and actually make up our own definitions of self-compassion because there's all sorts of definitions of it. So we're going to jump in with those. And then we're going to jump into just discussion of what self-compassion is about, why it's valuable, what it does for us. And I'm excited to just explore it with all of you. So um, Jackie, do you want to jump in with your definition? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I I also just want to go back to what you said about this being new for both of us. I feel like self-compassion doesn't seem like a new term, like we've heard it before, but it's the practice of it. That is new to me. And even if I had to create a definition, I don't think it would be any different than the definition I have today, which is showing loving kindness to yourself. That's it. At its core for me is showing loving kindness to yourself. And so I don't think it would have been different, but I don't I know that I have not cultivated self-compassion in the past up until more recently, I'd say within the past year or so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, same with me. And I agree. That's a great point. It's a practice. All of the things we discuss, I think, are a practice. For me, my definition was very similar to yours, but I, I think about my mind a lot and kind of like wrangling my mind. I think about the, I think about it from that perspective. So self-compassion for me is consciously changing your inner dialogue to look at your actions and experiences from a place of non-judgment and mm. love. I love the non-judgment piece. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're, we tend to be fairly critical of ourselves, right? Yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's a practice <laughs> to stop judging ourselves and say, okay, this is okay. And something that we will get to, I think, later in the episode is around how we have compassion to others more so than we have to ourselves sometimes. And that's why the practice of self-compassion is so important. It's almost like I think back to, to when we we talked about saying yes to mm. ourselves, or I'm sorry, keeping your word, right? Mm. Like keep how we keep our word to others more so than ourselves. It's very similar. Like like we are not judging people on the outside pretty much, right? And and But we then are so hard on ourselves sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so practicing self-compassion is kind of bringing it inward, whereas um, very similar to, to keeping your word. That's right. That's right. Yeah. When we started kind of looking at this, I I think Jackie and I both are invested in understanding the real like physical, emotional, mental affects of what we're doing. So we like to bring in the research piece of this. The science it's so behind important. It. Yeah, yeah. It's so important. What's the data here? Like why? What's the what? And mm-hmm. why should you care? So when we started researching, one of the the people that bubbled up at the top who I'd never heard of is Kristen Neff. And Kristen Neff is the leading self-compassion researcher. You can go to her website. She has some really incredible information, some really interesting practices. But what I wanted to do today is just share a little bit of, of what she talks about when she talks about self-compassion. So I'll share a quote from from Kristen's website and then you know we'll dive into what that does for each of us to actually think about compassion and self-compassion and actually practice it. 
So the power of self-compassion is not just an idea. It's a very real and actual manifestation in our bodies. When we soothe our own pain, we are tapping into the mammalian caregiving system. And one important way the caregiving system works is by triggering the release of oxytocin. Research indicates that increased levels of oxytocin strongly increase feelings of trust, calm, safety, generosity, and connectedness, and facilitates the ability to feel warmth and compassion for ourselves. This research suggests that self-compassion may be a powerful trigger for the release of oxytocin. So super interesting there, right? Just I, to give you that sense. Yeah. I mean, what I'm loving is the the release of oxytocin and then those feelings of the trust, the safety, the calm, the generosity. Because when I think about what self-compassion does for me, it is those feelings that <laughs> I cultivate within myself and then with others, right? And so to see the science of actually releasing a chemical in our body, it's, it's, it's so powerful. Yeah. And I, I do want to then take the opposite side of this because, you know, the reason we have to practice cultivating self-compassion is oftentimes because we are critical of ourselves. Mm -hmm. So Kristen says self-criticism appears to have a very different effect on our body. The amygdala is the oldest part of the brain and is designed to quickly detect threats in our environments. When we experience a threatening situation, the fight or flight response is triggered. The amygdala sends signals that increase blood pressure, adrenaline, and the hormone cortisol, mobilizing the strength and energy needed to confront or avoid a threat. Although this system was designed by evolution to deal with physical attacks, it is activated just as readily by emotional attacks, by ourselves or by others. Recent research indicates that generating feelings of self-compassion actually decreases our cortisol levels. So I am always uh, fascinated by the fight-or-flight response and what a broad impact it has on us because it was really meant for physical attacks when we were out there fighting whatever those, I don't know, Ice Age animals were that we were trying to either run away from, kill, whatever. But it actually now, because we don't live in the same society we used to live in and we have our communities and civilizations built, it still exists. It's just not as serving to us as it was at that point. Yeah. And it's coming up in the emotional affect versus the physical. And what I'm just struck by is what she says here around dealing with this that we get from ourselves or others. So like we are often putting this on ourselves, meaning that there's really no reason to to do that, right? And then I think about the mind and how the mind is often the catalyst to making ourselves feel emotionally attacked. Right. No one else is. It's, it's, we do it to ourselves, which is interesting because if we can do that to ourselves, then we can flip it. That's right? right. And then we can move from that self-criticism to the self-compassion. That's right. And I think as we talk more about some of our stories, what we noticed and what I noticed coming up for me was, you know, a lot of the times that I'm self-critical or judgmental are in areas that I feel shame around. And so, you know, exploring what those are and how to make sure that you know, you don't feel that anymore and you can be self-compassionate and be more open about what you're experiencing, I think is really what creates a space where we can thrive and not shut ourselves down in criticism. Yeah. I see that when I practice self-compassion, I am building up my level of self-love and self-worth, which has helped me put myself first in the best way possible. So not in a selfish way, but in the, you know, we've talked about this before, the oxygen mask on yourself before you put on your kids in the airplane. Very similarly, if I am practicing self-compassion, I am building up my level of self-worth, which helps me 
you know, feel really calm. It helps me do what I want and be able to say yes and no and and have my boundaries. It allows me to not feel guilty about things. It allows me to not compare myself to others, right? There's so many effects of practicing self-compassion that I have seen that have made me a more grounded, stable person and a clearer space to make the right decisions. Mm, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, I I agree with you. I think there, I mean, I would echo a lot of what you're saying of what I experienced when I practice self-compassion. The self-love and self-worth is so incredibly important. And it's interesting, like you, which one comes first, right? Self-love and self-worth or or compassion to yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think they kind of, they go hand in hand, right? Yeah, it's a dance. It's, it is a dance. So, you know, and I love what you say, which is then because you're practicing that, all these other things fall into place in your life because of what you're giving yourself through self-compassion. When I thought about what this does for me, mine was really thinking about, A, this is a practice, right? So there are times when I'm doing it and there are times when I'm not. And I always go back to the idea that at least I'm aware. Like I celebrate the fact that I'm even aware of it. So mm-hmm. I, I, if mm-hmm. I were to give uh, any recommendation or just advice to our listeners is just celebrate when you're aware. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, for me, it's just, it was a lot of the things that Kristen said. It was, it's soothing. It's warming for me. It's calming. And it's connected. It's sort of like I, I'm connecting better to myself, and sometimes I'm connecting better to, to others, to your point at the beginning of this. Yeah, and I love how she wor- she uses the word safety because when I practice self-compassion, and we'll go into some examples of, of practicing, but it makes me feel safe within myself. The practice of self-compassion actually brings me inward and allows me to feel all of this stuff within me, and no one else gets to, to create that for myself except right. me. That's you, yeah. Yeah. So you brought up awareness um, as being the first step. And recently, Scott Shute, who is the head of mindfulness and compassion programs here at LinkedIn, um, we had he had a speaker come in, Dr. Shauna Shapiro. He interviewed her, and uh, she is a expert in self-compassion. She is wonderful. She's she has some books. She's um, a doctor. She has been featured on, in a many different publications. And she actually has this own her own self-compassion model that she shares with people. And um, I thought it'd be helpful for our listeners to to share what this model is. I know that I personally got a lot out of it because I was never able to really attach a tool for practicing self-compassion before. I just learned what it was and started practicing in my own way. But this actually completed for me the whole process of practicing self-compassion. So I want to share it with our listeners today. Um, the first step, as you said, Leah, was is awareness, right? So when you have a situation, and I'm just going to give this situation that she, she shared with Scott, it was around having a chair fall on her toe, right? That It was a, an everyday, simple scenario that she happened. She, in that moment, thought to say, oh, what's wrong with you, right, to herself? Like, what's wrong with me that I just dropped this chair on my toe? So the first thing is awareness and and name that emotion. What that awareness is, is how you are being in that moment to what just happened, right? Like being aware that, hey, I am, am calling myself a name or I'm being negative on myself. By naming the emotion, it physiologically downgrades that emotion and calms us down, right? So maybe naming the emotion of, frustration or or fear in that moment or just annoyance, right? The second piece is kindness. So bringing some kindness, that soothing touch to yourself. And she very much talks about like putting your hand on your heart or holding your hand because sometimes having that physical touch to align with that bringing kindness can work for people. What I really took away from this the second piece, which is kindness, is 
really putting yourself in the shoes of someone else, what they would say to you, but really more so how you would treat someone if they were going through that. So if I saw someone drop a chair on their toe, what would I say to my friend? I would say, oh, I'm so sorry. Are you okay? You know, and I would not say, oh, what an idiot you are or, oh, that must be frustrating or that's annoying, right? When you put it actually on like what someone would say to you, it changes the perspective and allows you to be like, huh, I would not treat treat a dear friend this way. So why am I treating this myself this way? I thought that was really, I think for me that that piece is huge. And then the third piece was around common humanity. And this for me was a really closed the circle for me around self-compassion because I've definitely practiced the awareness piece. I've definitely practiced the kindness piece. But the last piece around common humanity was really interesting. What Dr. Shauna Shapiro says is to pause and to understand that you are not alone in the suffering, right? And in this particular moment, you know, whether it be a silly story or a deeper story, right, something that you're really experiencing recognizing that other people in the world are experiencing this as well. We tend to isolate ourselves and and feel like there's something wrong with us. So when we do that, when we're in that isolation, we we just feel pain, right? So getting ourselves out of the suffering, out of the aloneness, and connecting ourselves to common humanity really closes the loop and realizes that you're not alone in this. Yeah, and what a beautiful uh, model. I think you know you and I are both attracted to models, tools, things in threes that covers all of it. So I also love that you shared kind of where you've done really well in this model, even before you mm-hmm. you knew the model and where you haven't been as strong. And I, I totally relate to that, me too. I think for me, it's awareness and common humanity that I'm great at, but kindness is the hard one for mm, me. It's when I forget. And it is interesting to think about, you know, the way that we interact uh, from a kind perspective to ourselves and mm-hmm. how that impacts the way we interact with others, right? Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, I think what I'd love to do and what we're going to do is just share some stories, two stories of, you know, times that we've had to pull the self-compassion in even mm-hmm. before we knew this model. And, you know, as we were looking at this, we kind of recognized areas where, you know, we were aware, we were kind, and then we also brought in common humanity. So I'll share mine first. So I, uh, in, let's see, it must have been 20, maybe 2010 or 2011. It was probably, it was 2011, beginning of 2012. I recognized that I was starting to struggle with anxiety. And for any of you who've ever had anxiety, um, you know, general anxiety or have any, had an anxiety about something, you can imagine how difficult uh, it can be. So I struggled with this initially, and there are a series of events that sort of led to me struggling with this that had happened. And, uh, you know, I, I think at first for me, it was sort of this internal thing, right? It was this secret that I kept. I talked about shame earlier, and um, shame is, is something that I'm very I'm fascinated by, and I'm so excited to understand how to get rid of it, because that's how you start to heal yourself. But I did not know this at this point, so I didn't talk to people about it. I hoped it would go way. And I remember one day I was doing some research online. I discovered this CD course by a woman named Lucinda Bassett, who runs uh, something called the Midwest Center. And I had all these CDs shipped to my apartment, and I was so excited to listen to them because I was like, maybe there's a cure. <laughs> like, what is going on? And I hadn't told anybody about it. So when I listened to the CD, I can remember the exact moment that I heard someone say something. Uh, that's All the CDs are, are Lucinda with a group of people that she's doing group coaching with around anxiety. I remember the exact moment I heard someone say something that I literally just started crying. 
crying because I was like, me too. Like I, I thought that I was the only person that had mm. these experiences and these thoughts when I was in anxiety. And that is what's debilitating. So that was kind of my first foray into true awareness, but also into common humanity. Mm-hmm. And common humanity is literally just me too. It's I've been there and I get it. And hearing someone say that is one of the most life-changing things because you all of a sudden become normalized, right? You're, you go from this, oh, my God, I'm scared I'm in my head to, oh, wow, everybody else is here too. So for me, it was baby steps. Uh, you know, I, I then, because I was aware and starting to be kind to myself, I finally decided to go to therapy. Even there, I was, I was afraid to share. And I mean, you think about psychologists and therapists, mm-hmm. they hear the gamut of things. Uh, but for some reason, you still feel like you're the crazy person. So I spent a lot of time just trying to be more and more aware. I was Googling when things would happen. Uh, and then finally, I started to share more with people in my life. One by one, I didn't do any crazy, you know, throw all my information out there. But as I started to share that, I started to find more common humanity and then more kindness for myself. Mm -hmm. So I started hearing this me too, and then hearing the stories of how people have gone through this and what they've experienced, and also hearing and understanding that this is a normal thing. Mm. Like, it's okay to go through this. And so, you know, I think, you know, I look at this, I tend to now try to practice this by doing a few different things. The first was I went to an anxiety coach and that was a continuation of my kindness and my me too-ness because she shared how many people she'd work with, worked with. The second was spirituality for me, which was another way that I feel like I'm aware and kind to myself. But the practice really is just as simple sometimes as telling people that I've had anxiety. Mm-hmm. That was something that was very hard to do uh, at the beginning because the wound is too fresh to share. You know, now mm-hmm. it's a little bit more of a scar, right? Mm-hmm. So I can share that scar. But every time I share it, I feel better. Yeah. And it's not for anyone else. It's it's for me. But you also, I want to call out that with experiences like these, and I, the reason I'm so passionate is, again, because they can be so isolating. The most important thing you can do is share with people who earned the right for you to share it mm-hmm, with them, right? Mm-hmm. So so really, I, I think the big thing for me is just understanding this is a practice, understanding it's not going to be perfect, and taking this and applying it to big and small things in your life. Thank you so much for sharing. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise. A promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. A promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, I'm Tomer Korn, LinkedIn's Chief Product Officer. On my podcast, Building One, we dive deep into what it takes to build great products. Recently, we had Zach Perret, the CEO of Plaid, and he shared about his struggles building a financial app for consumers and how he was able to turn it all around with a critical pivot. Take a listen. I personally couldn't resonate as much with the consumer set that we were trying to reach. I just didn't have that level of empathy. When we made the shift to building a B2B product though, I was building the product that I wanted. My co-founder and I were creating the product that we wanted ourselves and we had so much empathy for what that product was. Such a great insight. You know, in that sense, we got lucky because we were were creating a thing for ourselves. And then the people that we were talking to also had the same problems we did. They were fintech developers. We'd been a fintech developer. uh, We'd been trying to build a fintech product for a year. And so, we had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Perret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One. I mean, I think I just admire you for, for getting to where you are today, for being able to 
share it with our listeners who have earned this right, right, to mm-hmm. listen to your story here and who I know it could impact so many people. So first, thank you for sharing. I find found it so interesting that you got the awareness piece down and you got the common humanity and then you brought in the kindness afterwards. And I think I heard a little bit about how you cultivated that kindness and it seemed like through sharing with other people, through spirituality and, and just continuing to practice and recognizing that it may not be perfect, but practice over time will, will help. That's right. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. So my story is definitely not as as deep as that. And, and I think that's okay, right? In the sense that what I see with self-compassion is really practicing it in what I like to call micro moments. So moments every day that you're going through different situations, you're interacting with others, you're interacting with yourself. And again, like how you are with yourself. So I think for our listeners, it's it's good to kind of see that there there is a spectrum of, of self-compassion right. and um, it can apply to, to anything, right? Like any life experience. So for me, when I thought about practicing self-compassion, I thought about this past weekend um, and a story that happened. And again, it's it's really simple, but I'll share it here. Once a weekend per month over the past 12 months, I've been going to my coaching program, which is all day Saturday and all day Sunday. And I have the dates in my calendar. I've known them since last August. I just hit my 10, 10th month. I have two more months left. Woohoo! Yeah, <laughs> very exciting. And, you know, for some reason, I always forget to get dog coverage on the days that I'm going to my life coaching program. I have a dog and it's all day. And so she needs a walk during the day. And for some reason, I just cannot remember to ask a friend or get a dog walker to come and do it. And so this past Saturday, I, you know, got to my coaching program. It was 930 in the morning. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, my God, I don't have a dog walker for Penny. And so I texted um, one of my friends. And in that moment, when I said to myself, oh, my God, I didn't get a dog walker for Penny. The first thing that came into my head was, I'm such an idiot. Like, that was that was literally the terminology that I used in my head. I'm such an idiot. I forgot again that I did not get a dog walker for Penny. And so I went to go text my friend to see if she was available to walk her. And I literally started the text as, I'm such an idiot, dot, dot, dot. And as I was writing that, I was like, no, I'm not. I'm not an idiot. That is not true. You know, like, I... It's okay. I, I'm busy. I have a lot going on. It's okay that I forgot yet another time. Fine. But all of a sudden that moment, I switched I switched it, right? I was aware that I was calling myself this this really mean name. And, and I switched it to say, it's okay, Jackie. You know, it's okay. Like, you forgot. Don't worry about it. And so I, I deleted that and I, you know, was at cause for forgetting, you know, hey, Sarah, I totally forgot uh, to get a dog walker today. Is there any chance that you're available? And and that was that. And she was, and she was able to do it, and it was totally fine. The kindness piece, you know, when I'm thinking about this model was, was exactly that, like being aware of what I did and then being aware enough to change it and to bring that soothing nature to myself. And it was calming because I was like, you know what? And I go back to thinking one of, you know, what you say and what, what we always say is like, it's going to work out, right? Like I knew it would be okay. Why do I have to be so hard on myself about this? The last piece, the common humanity, which is new for me, right? I, before this model, I hadn't even thought about that in the context of self-compassion. You know, I think thinking about connection and recognizing that we're not alone in this world is something I, I, I deeply connect with. But in terms of this model and self-compassion, in this area, which I didn't do, but what I would have done is people forget all the time, right? Like there are other people who are forgetting their keys in their apartment. They're forgetting their iPhone in their car. I mean, we are forgetting things all the time and we go through these daily hiccups and we're hard on ourselves a lot of the time. We we say, oh, how can I do that? I'm such an idiot. 
no, it's okay, right? Like we can practice self-compassion in those micro moments. So what I loved about what you just shared is first the micro moments piece. I think that's incredible to think about how each micro moment adds up to who we are, right? And so being more aware in each moment allows us to then create a better version of ourselves. Another thing you shared is when you think about the kindness piece, I think at the beginning, you know, you mentioned being able to do this physical touch thing, right? Where you like touch your heart or you can touch your own hand. Um, what we didn't talk about was the dialogue, right? And just being able to say, it's okay, Jackie, or it's okay, honey, or whatever it is that helps you feel endeared. So being able to change that inner dialogue gave you a lot of ability to then move into more loving kindness to yourself and self-compassion. Yeah. And it's almost like that, like, mother-daughter or, like, parent-child figure, right? And, like, we talk about the mind a lot, and it's, like, recognizing that your mind can go one way, and then you can actually be the parent to yourself and say, no, that's okay, right? Like, and soothing yourself through that process. Yep. And it's a conscious choosing, which is something else you said. You wrote out, I'm an idiot. And or you started to write out, I'm an idiot. And you're like, oh, my God, wait a minute. I'm not. And you consciously chose to then move forward with saying, hey, I forgot. Um, And there was something else that I think was really awesome that you kind of alluded to, which is the idea of accountability or being at cause. When you think about self-criticism versus accountability, what came up for me is that you being able to say, I forgot, and you being accountable is actually so much more empowering, right, Mm -hmm. than saying, I'm an idiot. You can say, all right, I forgot. And what is your your friend or dog walker going to say? Totally get it. I forgot, too. I forget, too, right? Right, because— If someone did that to me, I wouldn't be like, oh, you're an idiot because you forgot. That's right. I would say, that's okay. We all forget. We're busy and not a big deal, right? Like, And that's also taking the perspective of what a, a dear friend would say to you or yeah. what you would say to a dear friend. Yeah. Love it. And, and you know, what I think about a lot, and we use the term practice, was just how much compassion there is around this word practice. And I often think about, um, you know, in, in meditation, it's a meditation practice. In yoga, it's a yoga practice. It's really not around performance, right? Like, how are we performing in this? That really brings perfectionism into the piece, which is not what this is about. This is about cultivating a practice of self-compassion and practicing it in those micro moments. Yep. And, you know, what I see is that when we cultivate self-compassion through practice, it actually allows us to be less attached to being perfect and less attached to others performing and being perfect as well. So really, when we practice, it does something for others, too. Yeah. And you think about just a simple explanation or thought of how hard are you on yourself and how hard are you on others? What I've noticed for myself before any of, of, of this and understanding this concept was that I am hard on others a lot of times because I'm incredibly hard on myself. The more compassion I am towards myself, the more compassion I am towards others and their experiences. So I love the idea that we are able to not just impact us, but impact other people by being more compassionate to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then also that by you know doing some of these things, we're setting the example for other people. So the hope is that, you know, like we said, this is a practice, but we hope that us being vulnerable is starting to set the example for some of our listeners to say, let me try this out and set the example for other people, because mm-hmm. that's how we make real change is starting this process from you and then figuring out how it reaches everyone else. From me to we. That's right. There we go. So So we are going to wrap with a question, very simple, which is where can you apply the model of self-compassion right now? And remember, that model is awareness, kindness to yourself, and finding the common humanity. 
So thank you so much for joining us. If you want to listen to any of the other episodes, we're on iTunes and Spotify. You can just type in In the Arena LinkedIn. We're so excited to have you join us and continue on this ride. Thank you, listeners. Have a great day. 